Hi, everybody. A quick message before we begin today's podcast. We have just released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. Stay tuned for the end of the episode for more information. Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our awesome listeners. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about bloating. Yeah, nobody likes bloating. I don't like bloating. Uh, My guest today is Dr. Polina Mack. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Well, uh, before we kind of dive in and get get this conversation started, I thought we'd start with tell us a little bit about you and why, what got you interested in bloating of all the things? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Good question. So yeah, as you said, I'm a naturopathic doctor. So here in Ontario, so I have a private practice focused in gut health. Um, And the thing that really got me interested and the thing I started seeing with my patients is that a lot of times people didn't know why they were bloated. They had tried different diets and they just felt stuck. And also, I mean, maybe they were diagnosed with IBS, but still they didn't really understand how to manage it or if it was even possible to not feel bloated again. So I found that, you know, I was able to help them. And also the gut is really where I see a lot of other things clear up. So like acne and skin issues, hormones, um, even just the ability to eat a variety of foods and enjoy food again. So the gut is where we start. And so that's why I'm really passionate about it. Yeah, I I mean, so many things, you know, come from, we just don't realize how important our gut is to our overall health. Um, Okay, well, what, okay. Like what exactly is bloating like are we like legit just like filling up with air or like what's happening like what is actually going on when we're bloated yeah that's a great great kind of question to step back and reflect even for yourself in terms of what is bloating and where am I feeling it even like is it just everywhere or is it maybe more one-sided all of that stuff can give us some information and insight so in terms of what is bloating it typically is some sort of trapped gas um, in the abdomen which some people are so used to having is just normal for them they don't really think it's a problem or they just kind of live with it and Um, yeah, it's part of daily life. But then once you start feeling less bloated and start feeling better, you realize, oh my gosh, I was so bloated and I just felt so full all the time for no reason. Another word for it is like distension, right? So the gas that's being trapped in there, we also have to think about like, why is that gas there? Why is it being produced? So we'll get into that later on, I'm sure uh, today in the episode. But yeah, the idea is there is some gas. And I think, again, the distinction is important to think about, you know, is it like around my belly button? Is it more to the right, to the left? Is it down in the pelvic region? that can help us figure out 
where exactly maybe there's bacterial overgrowth or that gas going on. So it is gas though. Like when we, yeah. when we feel right, because like, you know, I've certainly noticed it myself. It's like one day my tummy feels nice and flat. And like the next I'm like, oh, my pants are really kind of putting a lot of pressure. And I like want to take it off of there because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gas or some sort of inflammation as well, which again, typically the gas is coming from some sort of bacterial overgrowth, fermentation of different food. Um, so it's not like that gas is there all the time. It might be, like you said, just one day you feel it more than another. What, um, so like you've said, you know, bacteria and you've mentioned bacterial overgrowth, you know, what, like, what is causing, what causes bloating? Like, Mm -hmm. is it just that you've eaten a bad food or a food that you're not used to? Like what, like, is it, is it, is the food the problem or like, what is going on? Yeah. A lot of times we assume it's the food. I mean, that's the thing people start with. It's, you know, something we put into our bodies every day. So it's definitely an important piece of what's going on, but sometimes, you know, if you've especially had this for a while, it can turn into more, um, a bacterial issue. So it might've started with something like food poisoning, or you've traveled somewhere you were exposed to, again, some sort of Uh, infectious bacteria or even a parasite, something that you're not used to and your immune system maybe was compromised, right? Or maybe you were under stress. So there was probably a few factors there. And, you know, maybe you felt okay afterwards, you thought it was done, but still there might be some of that bloating lingering. So yeah, to answer your question, um, really in terms of the bacteria, where it's coming from, it could definitely be coming from something you ate, like old, old food or leftovers, something like that, where you got sick. Um, or it could be as well, depending on the, on the bug, it could be coming from the environment, like just like on a surface or in water, again, more likely if you've traveled somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so what exactly is like happening inside when bloating is happening? Cause you said it's like trapped gas, but like, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, but you know, it, our digestive system is a tube. One would imagine that the gas would like move until it reaches one of two ends, <laughs> you know? Um, but you're saying it's yeah. kind of like trap gas. So like, is it that that gas is forming in a particular spot and then, it can't move anywhere and that's causing like the discomfort. Yeah. Break, break it down for me a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the most common cause is that kind of gas that's going on in the small intestines. So the bacteria really shouldn't be there. Cause when we talk about, let's say the microbiome and we talk about that balance of like good and bad bacteria, we're mainly talking about the large intestine or the colon, right? So that's where we want to see most of the bacteria and yeast, all of those things there normally and naturally, and that's healthy. Uh, But once it's in the small intestine, basically what's happening is let's say you eat something that's highly fermentable. So the bacteria like that, even something like sugar, the bacteria that shouldn't be there just start fermenting. And it's actually the bacteria that's creating that gas. And the gas will pass. Definitely. It will eventually, you know, you'll feel eventually better, but, um, a lot of times, especially with IBS and things like that, we also have high stress levels, anxiety, all of that goes hand in hand. 
So sometimes there's actually a motility issue. So the whole body is really tense. Maybe it's not as easy for you to relax and have the food actually travel down. Like you said, it should go, you know, there's a certain normal transit time where it's going from mouth to toilet bowl. There is like a normal, healthy um, time that we can measure and talk about later as well. But yeah, if it's just sitting there and you're feeling that food sitting there as well, it could even be a mechanical issue where it's just that that sphincter can't relax. And so you're just feeling the effects more so. What about stress? Let's, let's talk a little bit about, cause you know, you mentioned anxiety, like, uh, you know, especially or more often than not associated with like IBS and, and like we're all under stress, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know anybody in the modern world that doesn't experience stress. Right. So, so how does, how does stress like impact our digestive system and perhaps make the environment more susceptible to bloating? Right. Yeah. So one thing stress can do is actually lower your stomach acid. So that has to do more with like going back to how did you get bloating in the first place, if you have this stress going on. And when we talk about stress, I mean, we all, like you said, experience stress and we all need some stress acutely. So here and there, but let's say you're just feeling constant anxiety all day, you know, all night, you're having trouble sleeping. That's when it's really affecting all other systems. So through the nervous system as well, it can affect motility, but going back to the example of, you know, low stomach acid with stress, that will in turn just let all these bugs in because the stomach acid is one of those things that should kill off some of these bacteria and, you know, kind of protect you from a lot of these things in our, in our environment, even though the digestive system and that tube is actually part of the external environment. And we talk about that healthy gut barrier and um, the intestinal wall as being that barrier between the outside and the inside. Uh, the stomach acid, yeah, has an important role to play and stress comes comes into play there and can, in the end, just compromise your immune system too. So you're just getting sick more often as well. Um, and this kind of turns into this chronic low grade inflammation where you're just feeling tired more often, you have brain fog, all these th- symptoms that are subtle, but they all affect your daily life. Well, everything's just harder when your stomach's not happy. You know what I mean? Where you're feeling uncomfortable, undigested, or, you know, bloated. Like, it's difficult to give your 100%, you know, to things. So definitely cognitive function, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being, being impacted. But, you know, I also think of it from, like, the perspective of, like, when we're stressed, right? Like, our nervous system is perceiving danger, And from like an evolutionary perspective, digestion isn't exactly the most important thing right now to focus on because I got this like lion here or this deadline that represents the lion in the, you know, in the jungle that's like about to eat me. Right. So our nervous system, right, is going to prioritize what is more important right now to use my energy sources. So I imagine that that then is going to affect transit time. And how easy um, that gas moves. Now, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it would, like, if I'm under stress and I have tension in my body, that it would impact the peristaltic waves, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yes. You wouldn't really be digesting. Like you said, that wouldn't be a priority. So another part of digestion, you know, after the food passes the stomach is all of these enzymes and gastric juices coming from your gallbladder, your liver, your pancreas. Um, even, you know, when you start chewing in your mouth, all of that stuff um, is starting to happen. So yeah, all of those juices, I mean, you're going to have to be, first of all, in a calm kind of rest and digest state, as they call it, in order to actually properly break down the food. So if you're seeing, you know, parts of food that um, you ate, and it's not something like corn, which shouldn't be digested, that is normal to see in the stool. But if you're seeing some sort of other particles of food in your stool, then again, that's another sign and a clue to assess, you know, what's going on, like, how am I eating? Even when you're eating, are you sitting down? Are you chewing your food? Are you taking the time to eat? Which of course, we don't always have. (laughs) But at least you're aware of, okay, even if I take a few deep deep breaths before I start eating, you can get into that um, a little bit, you know, calmer state before you eat. And that will definitely help you digest all the food as well. Yeah, great tip just to like, take those slow, deep inhales, because it is actually a feedback loop to the nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. That like, okay, all is well, I'm taking a couple of deep breaths. And now, now it's time to eat. Um, so if you're somebody experiencing bloating, and you're kind of seeing, you know, it's starting to get problematic, and you're not feeling comfortable, um, you know, like how how do you figure out the cause of bloating? Like, are the, is there like, like, is there a test for bloating? Like, or, you know, is the bloating simply a symptom of something greater that needs to be tested for? Like, how do, how do we figure out what this bloating thing is about? Yeah. Yeah. So bloating, I mean, typically you're going to have other symptoms as well. So definitely if you're doing assessment with a naturopathic doctor, you're going to look at the whole picture, but for you at home, I mean, you can just think about what is your history like as well? Like, are you typically an anxious person? Do you think that's a big part of what's going on? Or is it just out of the blue, you got bloated again after maybe traveling or something like that, that hasn't been an issue for you um, in the past. So maybe stress is not as much of a picture, um, part of the picture for you. So you kind of have to assess to see what do you think is really the, the chronic issue here that's predisposing you to other things like bloating. Um, But the most common cause really, especially if you know you have irritable bowel syndrome is this small intestinal bacterial overgrowth SIBO. So there is a test for that. And if you are suspecting you have SIBO and there's different symptoms as well, not just bloating, again, looking at your stool, if there's, you know, chronic diarrhea or uh, constipation, a lot of people also feel like physical pain, like they they, especially at night, it feels worse. Typically in the morning, they feel a little bit better, but at night um, you feel more of those cramps and stomach pain. It can even be like sharp pain. So just depends on how many symptoms you have. That's definitely a possibility. So the test would just be basically breathing into a bag every 20 minutes for three hours. And that tells us um, basically the amount of gases there are, if there are gases being produced by this bacteria. And there's actually three types of SIBO. So it's good to do the test because depending on what kind of SIBO you have, you're going to, you know, tailor the treatment and different things will work for 
uh, those kind of things. Maybe you have more than one as well. And then we know, okay, this is going to take a little bit longer to fix. But yeah, that is the most common cause. Um, again, a lot of times with bacterial overgrowth, the yeast overgrowth goes hand in hand as well. So just because you have something in the small intestine doesn't mean we're not going to look at your large intestine either. And again, if you're thinking, okay, my bloating is more to the left or in the lower pelvis, so really more closer to the large intestine, then maybe a stool test makes more sense for you. So those are kind of the top two tests, I would say, for just looking at gut health to start with. Um, and the stool test really tells us about even parasites, but as well as yeast and bacteria, but particularly in the large intestine, so the colon. Um, and especially if you're seeing like mucus in your stool or again, undigested food, we're thinking more, you know, large intestine, we got to look at that stool. Right. Or what about blood work? Like does blood work give any, give us any information, um, as it relates to like causes of bloating? Yeah, not directly, but there is important blood work that I do suggest because a lot of times if you're not absorbing, your, the nutrients from your food, because of all this inflammation going on, you're going to eventually start seeing deficiencies. So even something like simple, like low iron, which is very common, we just assume, you know, uh, women who are menstruating, that's the cause, but, uh, you know, having heavy periods, but sometimes it could be a gut issue where you're not absorbing the iron. Um, or another example is vitamin D. So those fat soluble vitamins, Again, if that's just chronically low, even if you've been supplementing, then that's another clue that that could be another possibility. So definitely that's when you start feeling really tired as well because of those things. Yeah. So really, it, you know, you might look at some of the more simple things like, you know, a stool. Mm. Um, but if that doesn't give you more information, you know, there's these other options. Um, so what... What are some easy ways people can kind of test things at home? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a few things. If you're suspecting food sensitivities or you feel like, you know, a lot of these things you're eating, maybe that's the issue and you maybe have some skin issues as well. A lot of times these things uh, show up in the skin. Uh, an elimination diet is, is something I do recommend it's actually the gold standard. So you don't necessarily have to do food sensitivity testing if you're willing to do this elimination diet. However, it is a bit of a struggle. Like it can take a long time to, um, you know, plan out your meals and any sort of diet change is always um, difficult at the beginning. But I encourage you just to start with, you know, a few things, either gluten or dairy. You could do like a modified version where you're just taking one thing out of your diet and seeing if you feel better. I mean, that's probably not always the underlying cause, but if it's a really simple case where it's just a sensitivity to a food that can cause bloating as well, then um, I think it's a good starting point. The other thing is, of course, we talked about uh, the transit time. So if you just want to know, again, like how well is your body digesting the food other than looking at your stool, which I know a lot of us don't. So that's an easy one as well, just to pay more attention to that. Um, a normal stool should really look like a banana. So it should be bulky, well-formed, a one piece. Um, and then the bowel transit time basically would be like a challenge. So you would eat two tablespoons of, let's say, corn on the cob or some sort of sesame seeds, something we don't expect to be digested. And then you would just write down the time you ate that. 
and then you would look for it in the stool again. So the normal transit time is actually 18 to 24 hours. That's what we're aiming for. But yeah, you can definitely do this at home. Uh, don't chew the food really well. And then just see how long it takes for you to see it. That, that gives you an idea of overall how well are you digesting uh, the food and what's going on in your digest digestive tract. So meaning like you should, if it's corn, like you should see it still mm -hmm. look, looking like corn and it should be within uh, a certain time period. Uh, you know, if it's off by an hour, is that a, like, is that really, I mean, I'm assuming you said 18 to 24. So if There's it's like range. plus or minus one hour is probably not a big deal, but you know, like what would be like an indicator that like, there's an issue if, if it's like coming too quickly or not coming Whoa. fast enough. Okay. Yeah. And I think you would know this kind of intuitively as well. If you always, let's say, have loose stools, it's probably going to be too fast, right? So it might be a shorter transit time. But again, if you're constipated, then it's more likely to be longer transit time. And if you feel really full and bloated, um, it's more likely again to be the longer transit time. So this is just kind of a rough estimate of that kind of digestion. It's um, not necessarily diagnostic of anything specifically, like we're not going to say you have <clears throat> IBS or SIBO based on this, but it just gives us a little bit of a clue and more information again to figure out, okay, what, what are we thinking? What makes sense here? Fair enough. Okay. Let's, uh, let's switch gears to, um, you know, treatment. Um, so if you have bloating, you know, what, how do you, how do you sort of think about it from a treatment perspective? Like, do you work off of a particular framework? Um, you know, what does, how do you approach bloating? Somebody says, hi, I have bloating, like, help me. What would that look like? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So a lot of times uh, people have tried all sorts of diets and they're probably already on like a low FODMAP diet. So those are the, the foods that they avoid that would ferment these bacteria. So typically that's the people I see where um, even though food, as I said, is an important aspect, we don't necessarily always start there or we kind of tweak some things, but really what we want to look at is figure out the roots kind of cause, where did the IBS originate? So again, based on the history, if you have some food poisoning, or you've had like some sort of stomach flus in the past, we would use some antibacterials. So there's different options for treating SIBO. Uh, if that is something that you've tested and it does come back positive, uh, you could use natural antibacterials. So basically different herbs or even antibiotics, some people choose as well. So the idea is we need to kill off the bacteria, but part of the process for me and what I've realized works really well is also supporting your detox pathways. So as you're killing things off in your body, there's a lot of die off happening, meaning like a lot of toxins are being released from these bacteria as they're dying off and your liver and your um, other kind of organs of elimination really have a lot uh, of like a big job in order to get rid of all this. So sometimes we refer to this as a die off reaction where people feel a little bit worse so we don't want to push too hard where you're just so tired, you can't function. So there's a fine balance there figuring out, 
you know, how do we kill off the bacteria, but at the same time, making sure that you're having a daily bowel movement. So things are getting eliminated. You're sweating. That's another way that you're getting rid of toxins and we're supporting your liver as well with again, different herbs, supplements, vitamins, um, that we know are helpful. And another part of it, as you mentioned, is looking at the blood work. If there are deficiencies like low vitamin D, low, low iron, that can definitely be addressed right away as well, because that's going to contribute to just feeling, you know, blah. So I, I would address that um, at the beginning as well. So some of this testing is important to do. And then if we're stuck, let's say there's still other things going on. I look at hormones. So a lot of times there might be adhesions from example, like for example, endometriosis. So something where um, there's actually physical adhesions, which are affecting the digestive system and other hormones contributing to that sense of bloating. So sometimes the bloating could be hormone related as well. That's an important aspect to look at. And the last step really is looking at the physical body too, because if you have a lot of adhesions or bloating, that will affect even your structure, your hip structure. I don't know if you find this as well in practice where, um, you know, someone might be leaning more to the left because they're, they're bloating or their pain is on the left. So that uh, eventually as we address the inflammation that can resolve and you can actually have better posture and all of those things. Um, so I look at that last, but I think it's an important, important part of treatment as well. Well, the, the typical mm -hmm. response to something, um, being painful is to tense around it, right? Mm -hmm. um, to, to, you know, give it a different input and, a, and, and it's sort of a protective response, which, you know, in sort of an, a, an acute response is okay, um, but long-term, you know, tension and tightness, especially if there's adhesion present, uh, tends to sort of perpetuate um, the problem, right? And it seems so paradoxical that you would want to release and relax and expand where you're tight. So treatment sometimes when we, when I talk with patients, it's like, I understand that this seems backwards, but, you know, follow, follow, follow me along with, with the, with the process. But, um, but yeah, of course, uh, you know, if there's pain in a particular area, it's going to change the way that we hold and carry ourselves, right? Which then can lead to other issues, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then I guess the last point there is the emotional aspect, right? So as you're releasing, you probably see this as well, as you're releasing pain and tension, that can even be an emotional experience for people. So I find they have to get a little bit of support initially physically to feel stronger physically um, before they address the emotional, but that's such an important aspect as well. Well, you know, it's hard not to give meaning to things, right? And that's where we generate feelings and thoughts and emotions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's lots of research to show that we can trap trap those energies in our bodies as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask, uh, going back, as you were talking about kind of killing off bacteria, Um and like antibiotics as being a treatment, one treatment option. What I wonder about though, is like, you know, that kills off the good guys too, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you, you know, how do you mitigate, you know, the sort of positive effects of like trying to deal with a bacteria 
but then the side effects of that is, well, the good bacteria get knocked out too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And I feel like people are more aware of this um, and are more being more proactive as well. So the main recommendation in general with antibiotics is to take a probiotic, not at the same time, but like two hours apart so that you are still supporting the gut, uh, even if you have to take the antibiotics. So that's definitely a good um, approach. And you want to take something that's multi-strain. So you're getting some bifidobacterium, some lactobacillus. Those are the normal, the healthy bacteria that we want to see in the microbiome. And again, the stool test will tell you if you don't have enough of those as well, just as an aside, they don't um, just look at the bad guys, they assess all of the bacteria. So that's very helpful. And um, the other point I wanted to mention is with SIBO, when we're talking about the small intestine, if there is bacterial overgrowth, the main antibiotic that's used is rifaximin. And that one seems to be a little bit safer. So it stays in the small intestine. So it's not going to actually affect the large intestine where all of those good bacteria are. So it does seem to be a little bit better than the other ones from that, from that point of view. Um, but yeah, definitely antibiotics are not the only option. So it just depends how persistent your SIBO is, if that's the issue. And if you've tried everything, sometimes you just want to, you know, keep uh, looking at your options and what, what you can try. So um, antibiotics, typically you have to do like two weeks of the rifaximin. Uh, natural herbals tend to take a little bit longer. But at the same time, herbs in general, they have other beneficial effects, right? They're going to help your immune system. They support your body in different ways. So um, there's all, all sorts of things to consider and to see what makes sense for you. What about in, this is kind of a side sidebar in terms of like H. pylori and like the triple, triple yeah. therapy. Because um, one of the things I, I, I recently discovered is that you, you know, that the antibiotic treatment can actually create an IBS response, mm -hmm. you know, so you're like, fix one problem, and then you get the second problem, you know, how do you, you know, how do, mm -hmm. how, do yeah, you, so how do you deal with that? Yeah, that triple therapy is actually really tough for a lot of people to to take right like a lot of people have reactions to it or they can't really tolerate it so because you're taking more than one antibiotic there um it just becomes more challenging but it is important like if you know you have h pylori it is important to address it um because you don't want to like develop ulcers or anything like that it's a bacteria you don't that shouldn't be there um so i guess your question is how to mitigate the, the negative effects of the, of yeah. the well, case. can that happen in treating SIBO? Like, can you develop okay. IBS yeah. from treating SIBO? Like what I'm saying is, does the IBS, like, does, the, you know, should people be aware that you can develop this sort of mm -hmm. secondary thing? And like, are there ways that you can do antibiotic treatment while trying to minimize the side effect of potentially having an IBS like response mm. after. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's probably um, maybe less common, but it does, it's definitely something to consider, especially if um, PPIs as well, right? If you're taking PPIs for uh, stomach acid issue, kind of going along the same lines of like, 
changing the acidity of the stomach and what's going on there. Um, but yes, it can. And especially if you have other predisposing factors. So I would say when you are taking the antibiotics, try to optimize as much as you can, you know, your diet, again, taking those probiotics, um, at the same time, making sure you're not like in a high stress environment. I think all of those things will contribute to something getting out of hand and getting worse. And also just knowing as well, if you're already bloated to begin with, or you don't have the best digestion as well, um, to address those things as well, and not just address the H. pylori, kind of looking at the whole digestive system um, as a whole, rather than just in its parts. Yeah, I I guess I was sort of thinking to myself, like, if you're going to do the antibiotic route, you know, Mm -hmm don't look at it necessarily from the perspective of like, I'm just going to take this and like all my worries are gone yeah. and I don't need to do anything else. Right. Cause I think sometimes we have, you know, as a society, well, certainly as a society, we have sort of this like cure it, you know, with a pill sort of mentality. And um, what we don't recognize is that there are other effects that can happen, especially when it comes to a, a very sensitive system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, they know they're sensitive in general to medication and supplements. So in that case, it's like try to take the lowest dose possible for the shortest amount of time uh, of whatever you need to take and think about, like you said, long term, what are the things I have to do in terms of my lifestyle and all the other things that might be contributing. So everything we talked about today, that I think is like you said, keeping the big picture in mind, that's so important. Yeah, yeah. I want to know, like, um, from your perspective, like how, you know, somebody's bloated, right? Somebody's listening to this, somebody's bloated, they're kind of having discomfort and pain and like, okay, great, I'm going to go for my tests and I'm going to start looking at it. Is there anything that can be done in like the interim mm-hmm. to alleviate bloating and just get like a little bit of like, you know, relief? as they kind of embark, right? Because if you go the herbal route and you go the natural route and you try to do it that way, like it's going to take time, right? But that also means the discomfort and pain is going to potentially be there too. So how, you know, do you have any strategies on like, what can I do in the interim while I'm waiting for like my body to do what it needs to do? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it does, it does take some time and the body needs to adjust and you have to see what works. So I think as a starting point, um, number one is yeah. When you eat kind of just observe, uh, what kind of environment you're in. So we talked about the breathing. That's an easy thing you can do. You can also just, you know, count the number of times you're chewing your food before taking the next bite. So all of those little mindful eating hacks, Um, just enjoying your food, you know, like uh, smelling it, looking at it, being really present. All of that will basically just tell your brain it's time to eat. Let's get it going. Let's do everything um, we can to, to digest this. And there's, there's simple things you can do as well, where you're eating more bitters at the beginning of your meal. So sometimes we use bitters as herbal treatments um, in practice, but you can also just have bitter, you know, dandelion greens, anything bitter will help digest. And again, prep your system for digestion, especially things like meat or high fat meals. Those are really tough, especially um, if you have a stomach acid issue as well going on. So having a lighter meal um, or at least preparing for a heavier meal in a way is another strategy. 
and supporting your liver. So supporting all those detox pathways. I mean, getting it out, out in nature, we know is so beneficial for so many things for your immune system and your nervous system. And also in terms of your liver, doing things like sauna or um, supporting your lymphatic system with doing dry skin brushing. So all of these little things you can incorporate into your life that will stick and kind of help you as well in the long term. I think that that's really effective as well. It does take time though. Everything takes time. What uh, my brain kind of perked up and you said <laughs> lymphatic system lights dry. What is it? Dry skin brushing. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically very gentle. There's also something called lymphatic massage. So same idea. It's very gentle, uh, superficial brushing, or you could do massage as well. The lymphatic system is basically another one of those systems where it's getting rid of all these toxins. So um, you're always brushing, you're using like a dry brush, for example, a loofah or any dry brush with bristles, and you're doing gentle circular motions up towards your heart. So you can start, you know, at your fingertips, up your arm and always going in these circular motions up to your heart and same thing with your feet and again up and um your, your neck, all of those centers of those lymphatic glands, that's where they are. All of that can help move things through and again, um, help the body get rid of any sort of toxic load. So you're just taking light pressure, massaging in circles, and then move up a little bit, massage in circles, yeah. like what, like 30 seconds-ish, I would... Uh, yeah, I usually I'm always at like 30, 30 seconds one way, maybe 30 seconds the other way. It, does it matter? Should it always be in clockwise or counterclockwise? Um, it doesn't really matter. No, I think the most important thing is you're brushing towards the heart. And um, a good way to do this is right before your shower. So that's the easy way to remember it, to do it. And you're already kind of exfoliating before your shower. So that's probably the best time. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't have to be, it can be really quick. Yeah. You don't have to like stay on the same spot for long at all. For, okay. <laughs> so really you're kind of stimulating and then you get like a warm shower helps, I would think to open up vasodilate and like, get, yeah, and get always end with cold. Yeah. yeah. So going back to that circulatory system as well, they're so closely related to the lymphatic system. They're next to each other. So yeah, that's another way to do your shower too. Like you're going to, um, do hot colds if you're alternating. And I know it's a little bit difficult at the beginning it takes some time to get used to, but um, always end with cold because that will actually help the blood pump and circulate. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Um, and definitely from an exercise perspective, I mean, we know that exercise improves mm -hmm. digestion, especially if you can get into now, this is like the from the PT side, um, get into like uh, twisting type motions, like in the torso, um, that seems to really um, help to stimulate um, the movement of things throughout the throughout the torso. So no, like you don't have to be, you know, Cirque du Soleil twisting or anything of that nature, but like even just like swinging your arms from side to side. So you get some rotation in your spine can be like, just really helpful for getting some, some movement. And like, we use different like massage techniques, abdominal massage techniques as well to like, you know, get the gas to move, right? Like, yes. you know, so, you know, there are things that can be done in the interim. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. A lot of people feel relief with, like you said, just massaging 
and applying heat to dissipate that gas. So even um, some people like to use castor oil again, topically, you're not um, ingesting it, but do not, do not, yeah. do not, do not ingest. <laughs> yeah. Bad, bad <laughs> things on the toilet will happen. <laughs> do not ingest. <laughs> but yeah, that's a great point. Like moving your body, massaging, or even just any sort of exercise and movement in the torso um, is also really, really helpful as long as you can, you feel okay doing it, right? Like you're not yeah. like pushing yourself so much and over-exercising. Yeah, for sure. I mean, more like think of like, a, you know, you're out in nature, you're taking a leisurely walk to smell the, smell the roses. I mean, you know, um, we don't want to increase pain, but we want to be able to, you know, create some movement that, because, well, like digestion is the like you know, squeeze and release of the system, right? The tube squeezes and then releases and that's how food moves. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of artificially create a peristaltic wave by, you know, twisting type motions. And of course I teach people like different um, exercises for like the toilet and like how to get, how to promote things to move. So that's where I think um, pelvic health and naturopathy can really work Mm. well together. Um, in terms of, you know, just improving, you know, me on my end, like yeah. the elimination process <laughs> yes. and, you know, you on the, you know, um, bacterial and like supplement and all of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've seen some great results with, um, you know, when I think there's like some tension, like you said, in that uh, pelvic region, a lot of people assume that they need to strengthen it, but probably the first step is to learn to relax. So I've seen, yeah, I've seen that work really well um, with like some sort of pelvic physio treatment. Yeah. For yeah. those kind of issues. And we definitely, um, you know, teach a lot of the relaxation response. So when, you know, when we talk about IBS, for example, usually there's some form of some level of anxiety or like stress um, that actually upregulates our central nervous system. So we, we have a variety of approaches and techniques pending that you've done the training, not, not everybody has done the training, but we look at like central sensitization, how ramped up is the nervous system? How do we get it to ramp down so that you can get more into that rest digest Right. So we work on the central nervous system through the exercise piece, some manual therapy, um, you know, to to work on the whole picture. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. I feel like that would really benefit a lot of people. (laughs) For sure. For sure. That's why I kind of that's why I brought it in where the two really, I think, can be um, helpful, especially if you're, you know, on the constant, you know, constipation yes. side, right. It can be difficult to relax the sphincters. Yes. And, yeah. Um, like hemorrhoids even. Yep. Or- yep. Those yeah. things are very, very uncomfortable indeed. Yeah. Um, so we definitely have some techniques and strategies on like managing pain, right? That's mm-hmm. what we do. We manage pain. So, um, you know, in the interim, while you're working on the, you know, natural, natural side of getting, your digestive system and track, you still have symptoms, right? So how do we help you minimize and manage those symptoms as your body does the healing process? 
Exactly. Yeah. And then that way, I think the healing can maybe even work a little bit better because, you know, with adhesions and I'm guessing, you know, that tension, some of these things just like, let's say you're trying to treat something, you can't even get to that area because there's poor circulation there. Yep. Totally. 100%. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, you know, do you have any like special materials? Like, do you have any information um, where people can like learn more and find out more about you? You know, where, where are you at? Where can people find you? Right. Yeah, for sure. So that elimination diet piece I mentioned, I do have a starter kit. So like a guide, that's a modified elimination diet. So if you wanted to get that, you would just go to paulinamack.com forward slash elimination diet. So that's like a quick um, reference there if you want to start there. But on social, you can find me at Dr. Paulina Mack. And I actually have a Facebook group as well where I do some live Q&As. And that's also a chance for you to get some of your questions answered. And that's from the gut community. So again, on Facebook. And in terms of, you know, if you want to chat more and figure out kind of strategy and figure out what's going on with your IBS, do some testing. You can always book a strategy call with me as well. And all that information is as well on my website and my social. Amazing. And of course, we're going to make everything easy for everybody by posting the links in the show notes. So in the description of the episode, we always post um, the speaker's uh, contact details to make it easy. So you don't have to worry about spelling and mm-hmm. all of that. It'll just be there yeah. for you to copy and paste. Um, so just, just FYI for all of our listeners. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show to talk to us about this. Cause like, bloating is a thing. Everybody's experienced it at some point in time. Um, you know, and it's kind of like once it starts to happen more often, it starts to become a problem. Like we need to know what's going on and then we need to know what to do about it. So thank you for sharing this knowledge with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I hope all your listeners got a little bit of a tip or clue of what's going on for them. And I'm happy to help. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And of course, we want to thank all of our listeners for, you know, subscribing to the podcast. If you're not subscribed, make sure you do subscribe. And of course, share out this episode because, you know, like I said, everybody's experienced bloating at some point. There may be a tip or two that might help somebody who's silently suffering. It's not like everybody's, you know, coming on social media being like, I feel really bloated today. Well, maybe sometimes, but you know, you could be doing somebody a huge thing um, by sharing out this episode. So I encourage you to do so. And we will be checking in with everybody on the next podcast. Bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we have recently released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. And in this mini training, I take you through what pain is, how labor pain is different than like an acute ankle sprain type of pain. I talk about the three different ways that you can work with pain And then at the end, I actually teach three different ways that you can work with labor pain to have a more positive birth experience. If you would like to access this free mini training, you can go to 
courses.ecophysio.com forward slash mini training, or you can look in the description of today's podcast episode. At the end of the description, a link will be there for you to get the free mini training. Hope to connect with you there. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.